the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening on AM 1280, The Patriot. So, no, it's a, it's a great, a great day. We are excited because we have a guest in our, in our studio today that has never been on Education Nation. We're going to be introducing him in a little while. Um, but to introduce that, I just want to kind of start by talking about the fact that we do hear frequently, and if you talk to college professors around the country or even right here locally, you'll find that a common complaint is that students do not know how to write well. Yes. Uh, when they go into college and they often have to take remedial courses on writing or what I'm even hearing from some professors is that they no longer can uh, assign papers until the kids are juniors and seniors, upperclassmen, because they have to kind of let them figure out how to do the writing in their freshman and, and sophomore year of Crash college. Course. So, wow. Yes, it's a sad state of affairs. And there is a website called No Red Ink, and it's a platform designed to improve students' grammar and writing skills. They recently analyzed more than 213 students in grades 6 Thousand through 12. Students. Oh, sorry, 213,000. That's a big difference. <laughs> That's a huge That difference. N number makes a big difference, doesn't it? <laughs> so they recently analyzed more than 213,000 students in 6th through 12th grade and found that half of the students had difficulty doing the following things. Number one, they had difficulty evaluating and undeveloped and undefendable claims. So they had trouble evaluating undeveloped and undefendable claims. Number two, they had trouble identifying arguments that don't progress. Number three, they had trouble making logical deductions. And number four, they had trouble distinguishing between claims, evidence, and reasoning. And so the average person that thinks about and attempts to write they don't think along the lines of these affirmation points. The fact is, each of the above issues, they characterize good writing skills when there is a good grasp on logic. So the problem today is logic is rarely taught in today's schools. Yeah, exactly. Well, this morning, we want to discuss some of the crucial benefits that have that come with actually having logic as part of a school curriculum. What is logic? Well, what are the laws of thought and different fallacies that serve as pitfalls in the art of argument? Joining us in studio today to discuss logic in a classical education curriculum is Brent Fisher. And Brent teaches logic to middle school students at Liberty Classical Academy and the Gospels to ninth graders. Brent, welcome so much, or welcome to Education Nation. We are so glad to have you on the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm a huge fan of the show, so I consider it a great honor. That's great. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. 
Well, we want to just dig right in because this show goes very, very quickly and uh, want to hear as much from you as we can. So the first question we wanted to ask you, Brent, is what is reason and where does it come from? Yeah, it's a important question, maybe a simple question that we overlook. Um, two, kind of, two questions kind of in that question. But first, what is reason? Um, simple definition of reason is it's the ability to draw proper conclusions from other information. So you can think of it as the faculty of our minds um, by which we see and perceive truth and mm-hmm. can distinguish it from error. And not only can we see truth through reason, but it's our ability to reason from certain truths to other truth. So Hmm. given X and Y, we can infer Z. Mm -hmm. So um, you can think of it also as not only our ability to learn, but to learn how to learn, Mm -hmm. to uh, not only know what is true, but how and why it's true. So it's Mm -hmm. very important that we um, know what reason is and that we can uh, actually use reason properly. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because in today's world, we don't really even hear that word used much. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you think about the Enlightenment era, uh, the age of reason, and that was so emphasized. But now in the Romantic era, so much more is about our life's experience. And people seem to think that they can know something is true. I, You know, the word true. Think about how that tied to reason. Yeah. But people will confuse that and think that they can know what is true based upon their own experience or what they mm-hmm. think is correct rather than what you just talked about, logical analysis and Thus, the reason for logic. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> as Flannery O'Connor once said, uh, truth doesn't change based on our ability to stomach it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we live in a day and age where everything's relative. And right. just to say that is somewhat jarring to the cultural mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yet there are certain things and, and principles and laws of reason, um, hence logic, by which we can we can know for certain uh, certain axioms, certain certain truths. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use logic every day. It's just a matter of being intentional about actually sharpening our minds to uh, know what we're saying and thinking. Exactly. So now that we've kind of defined the idea of reason, um, can you talk about a little bit more, define what logic is? Yeah, so if uh, reason is, is our ability to draw proper conclusions from other information, logic is the science and art of being able to do that. It's the mm-hmm. science and art of reasoning well, um, you can go more into depth in, in definitions of logic, but that's basically what it is. So you got two parts to the definition there. You have logic is a science, so there is a, a, um, a certain um, order to logic, much mm-hmm. like math or physics, mm-hmm. where there are certain axioms, certain rules and laws that are always true, mm-hmm. and by which you can uh, move from one level of logic to the next, and you can infer certain conclusions from certain premises etc. Um, but then there's the, also the art aspect, um, and, which is important because we don't go around speaking in syllogisms and uh, right. making sure everything we say is in standard categorical form. And so uh, it's important to know how to use the tools of logic in everyday language, everyday conversation. And logic helps us do that as well once we identify you know, different relationships between statements and how people form arguments. There are, there are basic ways we can, we can see that the arguments don't follow from the premises, even if we're not necessarily stating everything properly, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So, right. 
Interesting. Right. You had briefly mentioned uh, different laws of thought, and we're going to touch on that in just a little bit uh, yeah. here on the show. But first, before we do that, we've defined reason, we've defined logic, and then you can really break them down into subcategories uh, as logic is concerned. So we'll talk about two of the uh, uh, the more uh, mainstays in that first. You know, what is formal logic, and how does that relate to reason? Yeah. So if if logic is the science and art of reasoning well, the science part is is um, really parallel to uh, formal logic. Mm-hmm. So formal logic is where you're dealing directly with uh, improper and proper modes of reasoning. Um, within formal logic, you have deductive and inductive reasoning, um, but you have certain uh, valid ways that you can actually form arguments. Um, it's not dealing with um, necessarily uh, a bad or a good argument, but a valid or an invalid argument. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, you can go into more depth into formal logic, such that it becomes almost indistinguishable from from math, mm-hmm. and and so it becomes very precise. Mm-hmm. And um, most people aren't aware of that, but there is a, a certain sort of order with within logic that if you go that direction within formal logic, it becomes very um, symbolic mm-hmm. and uh, propositional, and there's. I mean, there's, it's just a matter of whether the argument's valid or not, mm-hmm. even if the terms may or not uh, may or may not be um, in them in of themselves true. So, mm-hmm. uh, so in other words, you know, when you're dealing with um, val- validity or invalid, you made the comment early on that. You can have a valid argument that might not be a good argument, yeah. but it's still valid, yeah, it's, uh, and vice versa. You can have an invalid argument that sounds really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we were actually just talking about this right now with, uh, with my eighth graders. Um, there, there are certain premises that if they are stated in a certain way, the conclusion necessarily follows, whether or not those premises happen to be uh, in reality true or not. Mm-hmm. And so um, classic syllogism, uh, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is mortal. That syllogism has a certain form to it that even if you replace those terms with other terms, no matter what, that conclusion is going to be valid. Mm -hmm. And then there's other forms that no matter what, the conclusion will be invalid. Whether or not uh, it, it may be true that the the statement in and of itself is a, a real thing, you can mm-hmm. even add whose's and what's's to the terms if you want. Yeah. So, boy, absolutely, pretty interesting. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned formal logic, you know, very specific uh, forms of argument. What is informal logic, and how does that relate to reason? Yeah, so informal logic is dealing more indirectly with proper and proper modes of reasoning. So this is where logic uh, really um, moves more into the field of rhetoric. So you're dealing with terms, definitions, statements, and their relationships. And um, in informal logic, you're, you're dealing also with informal fallacies there. And so you're not necessarily looking at a syllogism and trying to figure out with mathematical precision whether the argument is valid, but you're looking at whether there's, there's a strength there in their argument, um, whether it's uh, probable or, or likely that their argument is, is true. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's in the informal uh, branch of logic where I explain to my students logic is kind of like a language. Um, it's, it's really the language of human thought. And so um, as language goes, there's, there's different science and rules and principles for grammar, for instance, right. yet um, we don't always abide by them. Right. And so informal logic is kind of that branch where you're not always abiding by the rules, yet you're still forming sentences, you're still forming statements, arguments, if you will, or premises in the, the terms, uh, the language of logic. Hmm. And so it helps us use logic in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a great analogy. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, 
I, and I actually had a misunderstanding. I always thought that informal logic was more just applied. Well, like you say, it is it is everyday life. But I just thought that it had much more to do with um, maybe topics of argument that you would see out in the public sphere versus the more mathematical symbolic. And and I guess maybe I'm just saying it in a little bit different way than you did. But yeah, it is it is kind sense. of like that. Formal mm-hmm. so formal logic you have um, you have inductive reasoning, which also it deals with likelihood and not necessarily whether the argument is valid or invalid. Mm-hmm. But m- the more you go in, uh, further into formal logic, then it becomes more propositional and categorical okay. and symbolic yeah. and more mathematical. And informal logic doesn't go that route. Yeah. It's more um, looking at language from the you know the art aspect, the the common way we use logic, if, sure. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. We're, so we're thankful for informal logic for people like for like myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not sure how successful I would be at the whole formal logic. Yeah. Uh, it is complicated. <laughs> so within the realm of logic, what are some of the different laws of thought? Yeah, so logic, you could say it all boils down to three basic laws. Um, you could argue even just one. But the three basic laws are the law of identity, the law of non-contradiction and the law of the excluded middle. Mm-hmm. Um, the law of identity is um, basically saying that if something is um, true, then it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or um, what a thing essentially is, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what. Uh, a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose is a rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that everything else builds on that. And because of the law of identity, you have the law of non-contradiction. A rose can't be a rose and not a rose at the same time and in the same sense. And mm-hmm. it's those two modifiers at the end that are very important. Um, a rose can be a white rose and not a red rose. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're referring to two different types of roses, two different scents in which you can have roses, then there's no contradiction there. Or mm-hmm. you could say we're in this studio right now and we're not in the studio if you're referring to two different times mm-hmm. that we're here. So that's mm-hmm. important to make that distinction. Yeah. And then the third law, the law of the excluded middle, is a uh, statement is either true or it's not. There's It's black or white. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if you say the rose is a red rose, it either is a red rose or it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, that statement is either true or it's false. Mm-hmm. There's no middle ground for mm-hmm. that. So, mm-hmm. And it's based on those three, lo- three laws you can really build every other law and principle and axiom of, right. of logic. You know, it's kind of interesting when I think about, and I'm not an expert in this realm, but the whole realm of philosophical uh, thought that we're basically around deconstructing deconstructing terms and deconstructing you know you you realize in this moment or that it really doesn't probably follow the the line of logical thought or these laws of logic such as the law of identity or the law of non-contradiction when you're deconstructing something sometimes that's exactly what they're doing is kind of trying to say that something that we know is true isn't true anymore. Yeah. Ba- basically just saying because we said it is not true anymore, it's not yeah. true anymore. Yeah. It's weird how, how we we know these things instinctively, yet um, we, we tend to break these rules all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just a matter of stepping back and, and realizing, no, that is either true or it's not. It's, you can't change mm-hmm. the fact of its, um, its truth value. Mm-hmm. There's only two truth values, true or false, mm-hmm. um, when well, it comes to logic. Uh, an example that's very culturally relevant right Right now is the whole realm of gender identity. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could say that really to say that there that you can be one or the other and you can choose is really a law of. I mean, you're breaking the law of the excluded middle or the law of identity that there really is a yeah. genuine male and female and and 
there isn't really anything in between. Yeah, either the person is a male. If you say that boy is male, either that statement is true or it's false. <laughs> right. I mean, you can say something else that might be uh, debatable, but that statement in and of itself, if you give a statement, yeah. a statement is either true or false. And, and we uh, use logic. Using logic, you deal with statements. You don't deal with self-reports or opinions. We're yeah. dealing with, this is your argument. Is it true or is it false? Right. Or which part of it is true or which part of it is false if it's a complex argument. Yeah. So. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Well, given these laws of thought and you know, truth from falsehood is equivalent to that which is black versus that which is white, can you share with our listeners why it's always appropriate for logic to give way to mystery? Yeah, that's such a good question. I mean, uh, <laughs> given what I just said, it might come across like where logic makes you a very condescending and judgmental person. Um, but you soon realize when you start studying logic that... Um, we're, though we can use logic and we instinctively naturally do, we're not fundamentally logical beings. We don't live our lives mm. logically. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny. We can know exactly what is the reasonable thing to do in a given scenario and not take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we see this from you know childhood up. And so we can be learning about reason and logic in my logic class. And I'll say, okay, you got five minutes to review your vocab so that you'll do well in the quiz tomorrow. And they won't. And it's just like, okay, that's very reasonable and logical. You should put two and two together there. And they just don't. And so there are limits to logic. And um, I talked about this the very first few weeks of um, my class, that uh, we are not just brains on a stick. Yeah. We're not only rational beings. I, don't, I would say we're not even fundamentally rational beings. We're f- fundamentally affectional beings. Mm-hmm. We follow our desires and mm-hmm. our feelings. And uh, we, we also are acting beings. We're mm-hmm. not just minds that are just sitting there contemplating all the time. We're doing stuff. And then we're social beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of those things affect our ability to reason properly. And it's very important to know that because otherwise um, you will think... Uh, and have grandiose visions of what logic can accomplish when mm-hmm. it really can't. Uh, you know, if your your law for your uh, constitution of your uh, country was just the laws of logic, your country would fall apart mm-hmm. because people, though they can even know logic and no reason, don't live rational lives. Mm-hmm. Um, which is partially why we train uh, our students in logic so that they at least know better what is rational and what's right. not, regardless <laughs> if they follow it or not. So, mm-hmm. anyways. But it helps them with their thinking in terms of ideas and being able to evaluate things that are coming at them, whether that be an ad for you know some politician who's trying to sell his views or her views or someone that is you know telling them to believe a certain way and they can they they can have the equipment when they want to put it to use yes, anyway absolutely uh, yeah. to be able to make those determinations yeah, if the in a more heart, sound manner if the heart is aimed in the right direction then reason works yeah um blaise pascal said the heart has reasons the mind knows not of Hmm. Um, and part of the goal in classical education is to uh, love what is lovely. Mm-hmm. And once you um, know what is lovely, then you can love it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know what's lovely, then how can you be expected to love it? Mm-hmm. And so reason will at least help you know what is lovely, what's valuable, what's worth pursuing. Yeah. And then uh, hopefully you will pursue it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if there was a way to uh, teach the heart logic, that would be another class for another episode. But right. um, mm-hmm. right. 
yeah, at least we can inform the mind in what is valuable. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Good. If you could, please describe the three fallacy arguments, and if you could highlight maybe just one popular argument from each of those categories. Yeah, so um, there's lots of fallacies, and different logicians would break them up in different ways, but commonly they're broken down into three families. Uh, you have fallacies that deal with relevance, fallacies that deal, fallacies that deal with presumption, and then fallacies that deal with clarity. Probably the, the one that's most random Rampant, and and you'll identify all the time are um, fallacies that deal with relevance, um, and, and uh, arguments that are are maybe even good arguments, but they're just irrelevant to the the issue at hand. Those are mm-hmm. those are fallacies that deal with relevance. And so a, a couple ones that you're going to spot all the time are um, ad hominems, which is Latin for to the man. This is where you attack the, the character of the person, not their argument. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very common. Another like one... Like in our yeah. polit- political sphere all yeah. the time? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, it makes you wonder if anyone knows logic in, anymore if you even do have to acknowledge their right. argument. Um, another one that's uh, popular in I guess just normal fights, everyday fights with whoever uh, is tu quoque, which which means you also. That's the double standard. How can you say that when you do that? Well, mm. just because you do it doesn't necessarily mean it's that right whether wrong. it's right or wrong. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so these are different ways of uh, stating genetic fallacies, which is a, mm-hmm. another big one that has to do with relevance. Um, so we live in a day and age where fake news uh, accusations are being thrown around. Mm-hmm. Well, just because a source is incredible doesn't mean that the author's argument is false. Right. right. And just because the source is credible doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that it's right. true. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> genetic fallacies are really important when we're thinking about um, you know, what is true or what, what is not. Sources are important, yes, but mm-hmm. arguments are more important. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to uh, logical fallacies that deal with presumption, mm-hmm. a couple really prevalent ones today are those that um, deal with bifurcation. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you presume that either you have to be this group or this group, and there's no middle ground, that's mm-hmm. that's a fallacy of bifurcation, or you could say the fallacy of the excluded mm-hmm. middle, where there is a middle ground, there is a center, um, but you don't acknowledge it. So either you are an extreme, oh, excuse me, either you're an extreme white supremacist or you're a total radical progressive leftist. <laughs> you know, you can't be anywhere in the middle. Uh-huh. Um, and then quickly, the last category uh, fallacies that deal with clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, equivocation fallacy is one that you're going to see all the time and that's where terms just aren't defined Mm -hmm. clearly and so what happens is terms end up actually changing their meanings Mm -hmm. midway through an argument Uh, so a classic example is God is love, love is blind, Ray Charles is blind, therefore Ray Charles is God. Right. <laughs> obviously, obviously Ray Charles is not God, but the, re- the reason that that conclusion is false is because the terms just change at, in, you know, while we're working through that, right. the, the, the um, argument there. Um, blind, love is blind in a different way than Ray Charles is blind. Right. Mm-hmm. And God is love in a different way than Ray Charles is blind. Yeah. So even is, is is used differently there. Um, mm. So that's just... That's just an example of a, a fallacy of clarity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, there's tons more. We deal with, I think, 30 of them at Liberty, oh, wow. and mm-hmm. uh, there's all these different cat- categories for them. So. More. For some reason, I was thinking we had 15 or 20. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're instructing me today. Yeah, and it, it's, it's interesting because you can commit like five logical yeah. fallacies in one argument, and yeah. uh, so a lot of these overlap. So. Right. And I think it's so wonderful when we, when we do this with our students. Oftentimes, we'll hear from parents 
that they can tell their kids are getting logic because they start to kind of rip apart the news, the news clips or, you know, um, something that they might see on their Facebook. They start to really begin evaluating oh, yeah. what they're seeing, um, both in written and auditory form. And it's really yeah. exciting to see that. It's like a powerful instrument they never knew yes. they had. Yes. And you can sharpen it and yeah. you can get better at it. And it really makes, uh, really scary, uh, uh, people when you know that they can deconstruct your argument in right. a second if they <laughs> smell a whiff of weakness and, uh, and validity in your argument. It's mm-hmm. like a shark smelling blood. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully they'll be for good, not for bad, and not to destroy people, but to build them up and right. help them right. see truth. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. it's it's really it's really cool that you can do that. So that is one of the things that we do teach our students at Liberty too is yeah. to make sure yep. that they're not using these to be. Uh, vicious or yeah. to be aggressive or bullies, but to be to to just be able to discern yeah. and to speak truth when uh, they can. Yeah. One of my mantras is it's always better to win a friend than to win an argument. Exactly. Right. At the yeah. end of the day, people um, don't care how much you know until they know how much you yeah. care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we're not only rational beings, we're affectional beings. If you make a person feel important, they're bound to listen to you um, a lot more carefully than if you just show them all the reasons that their argument is fallacious. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. okay. Well, we have a little less than five minutes left, so we're going to go ahead and just speed ahead here to oh. uh, some of the work that's going on in the classroom at Liberty. Um, how do you use logic in writing in the classroom? Yeah, so um, once you learn how terms relate to definitions and then definitions build into statements and then how those statements relate, then you can see how um, arguments, arguments can either be weak or strong or valid or invalid. So let's say you're, you're writing a paper. What you want to do first is research um, arguments. Don't look for conclusions. Right. Look for arguments mm-hmm. and then assess the arguments and then put them together and then draw your conclusion based on what the strongest arguments are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go looking and say, I want to show this and then try to find the arguments that support mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. not, um, you don't start with the conclusion, mm-hmm. you start with the premises and then mm-hmm. build to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Right. And debate also is a mm-hmm. very important uh, subject matter at Liberty. How does logic play such an important role for that? Yeah, as, as I already said, um, it's better to win a friend than to win an argument. Um, we got to know that logic is, should not be used as a tool to beat people over the heads with, but to draw their minds and attention to what is true and what is not. Um, but I think also it's important when we're debating to uh, make sure we're active listeners and we can restate uh, our opponent's position in a way that they would affirm before we before we go ahead and start trying to deconstruct um, their argument. Um, we we need to make sure that we're we're not only trying to win a friend ultimately, but we're actually being friends. We're loving them and we're showing them the respect that we want them to show us as well. Yes. That will help the debate not only be civil and rational, but it actually help us make progress. Mm-hmm. If we're committing uh, you know ad hominems all the time, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and if we're assuming, we're presuming that a person's saying something they're not, then we're also not going to make progress. So, mm-hmm. Again, that's kind of where we're at with our culture right now. We don't have civil discourse and civil debate, and we are stuck, aren't yeah. we? We're stuck yeah. with a lot of polarization because of it. So one more quick question. We only have a couple minutes left. When reading any type of written article, what types of questions should the reader ask in wanting to use logic to help them discern if what's being read is truthful. Yeah, so first you want to identify the main argument the author's trying to, to get across. Mm-hmm. What's the big idea here? Mm-hmm. Um, summarize it succinctly if you can. 
but get the gold nugget that they're trying to get across. Oftentimes, book whole books will just have maybe maybe one main argument, and then try to find the the key argument that they're using to uphold that. So this is just a flip side of writing well. You want you want to be able to um, find what that author is trying to say and how they're trying to say it, how they're defending it, and then assess the argument based on based on those things. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. And what about with your students um, using logic and political debate? How do you encourage them to do that? Um, well, we, we do watch uh, some political videos on all sides of the spectrum, um, but it's just important to see that when politicians are just going at it, they're not helping anyone. No. Um, they're actually teaching us how to uh, reason improperly, if mm-hmm. anything. And so it's important to, to see that's not what we want to do. Yep. Um, that's not how we make progress here. That's not how we have a rational discourse. So um, it's really easy to get them excited about these things. Uh, everyone's arguing all the time, and it's just it's helpful to be able to step back and say, okay, that's not how we should do it. Mm-hmm. Able to point out the bad examples is, is as helpful as teaching them the right examples. That's right, right? yes. <laughs> all right, very good. Well, we are already out of time. I cannot believe how quickly this has gone. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us, Brent. Yeah. We really appreciate you. your excellence and your knowledge, yeah. and we hope our listeners enjoyed this show as much as we did, and and we'll see you next week on Education Nation. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.